and mutilations you're listening to how the world of culture presents dead on movie reviews tonight we will present horror movie reviews and lively debate here on otherworldlyculture.com and on future select tuesdays at 8 p.m eastern standard time you can join our live chat at that time by clicking on the live shows link on the otherworldlyculture.com website I'm your host, Tim Kretschmann. I'm coming to you from the land of lakes and landfills, beautiful and smelly Muskego, Wisconsin. It's my horror, it's my honor to introduce the Faculty of Fear panel presenting tonight's lectures. We start with Adam Holtzapfel. He's back from the Diz. He's taking a whiz on a new movie tonight. As usual, he exhaustively searched every nook, every cranny, every dark corner of the internet by clicking on a single button marked Shudder. He is the Taco King. Here's Adam. Hey, Tom. How's it going? I'm doing great. It's been a while since we've been doing these shows, and it's great to hear from you again. Thanks, yeah, it's been a minute. It has been a minute. Next, the meat is on the way. Ladies and gentlemen, America's little sweetheart, the killer clown of getting down, the speedy freak that loves to speak and streak. He is smoking a stogie and eating a hoagie, stalking the small in the wild and pulling down the burlesque with a quest. He is the only, the lonely, Rich Del Zotto. Hello. And last and least, little Mikey Exler is back again today as the denizen of the dismal, the purveyor of the putrid. That exciting exclaimer of glorious gloom wrestling up from his stony tomb. He's the monster, the mad ghoul, the glad, and that sack of mumbling, moaning pus that barfs out baloney. He's one, and there are many, but he's our very own panel purveying provocateur, Coach Michael Exler. Thanks, Tim. I, I wanted to ask. Yeah. Why does your town smell? Why? Um, and this is actually not my side of town, but my brother lives on the other side of Muskego, and that is where he is about a mile down the street from the largest landfill in southeastern Wisconsin. It's absolutely huge, and if the wind blows a certain way, you go indoors. Uh, <laughs> But at night, they have a thing where they burn the methane gas off. And sometimes oh. it looks like you got a candle out there in the middle of the field. Creates nice ambiance. It is. It, you know what it is? Romantic. That, that's the right term for it. It's just romantic. People like to go on out and uh, watch the submarine races by the landfill. All right. Well, let's get things going. We have a bunch of movies tonight, and we're going to start with, I believe this is the newest of the bunch, and that means we're going to be going to Adam. Adam, what have you been watching? I've been watching Destroy All Neighbors. Uh, Shutter Reginald came out January 12th, so just a couple weeks old. Um, stars Jonah Ray, which most people know from the Mystery Science Theater reboot. Alex Winter, which, you know, throw a dart, you can hit a movie he's been in. Most nobly Lost Boys, Bill and Ted. Mm -hmm. um, features appearances by Randy Heller, which Daniel... LaRusso's mom from Karate Kid. Um, Thomas Lennon, which he is in Reno 911 and the Puppet Master, um, Littlest Reich, I believe, that came out a few years ago. Okay. Um, yeah. What did you say, Mike? I just said that movie was ridiculous. 
Yeah, it was. It is a good one, but we'll save that for another episode. <laughs> um, <laughs> this clock's in at like an 85 minutes, so right there, that were 25 minute mark. Um, good blend of comedy and horror. It basically follows Jonah Ray's character, William, who lives in this Skid Row type apartment. Has a new neighbor named Vlad move in, and William being a little bit of a pussy, afraid of a <laughs> confrontation. So, you know, you've got like Vlad blaring techno all night, which is Alex Winter and these ridiculous prosthetics that make him almost unrecognizable. So, um, that not not well. almost. We we keep showing the the pictures. Are, I had no idea that was Alex Winter until I started going through the cast list. Yeah, uh, and is he like a a troll or a little person or what's going on there? No, just he's a uh, Russian, Russian <laughs> Ukrainian that kind of uh, area. So you know, I have often mistook Russians. For being trolls. So this is not unusual. That's <laughs> <laughs> someone got that. It was like, how did you get that? No, oh, it's not a midget troll. Okay. <laughs> he looks, take a look at these pictures as they're shuffling through. He looks like some sort of <laughs> troll or something. It, it's really amazing. Yeah, yeah, the the prosthetics are real amazing that they did for him, and uh, it's all practical effects. Um, William's this prog rock obsessed guy that just, that's his hyper focus. He wants to make, like, the best prog rock album ever until an accidental death occurs. And then from there, it, shit just flies off the rails so um yeah it's a not bad flick for being a newer movie glad to see they used practical effects and this was a direct to shutter right this is only yeah. on shutter yeah it's a shutter original like um I know sometimes they have DVDs in Walmart for them around the time they come out, mm -hmm. but I think this one's straight shutter right now. Okay. Now, was there a video game that this was based on or something? I, I thought I'd read something like that. No, not that I'm aware of. There's not. I know... Okay. Um, yeah, it kind of has that look. I think there's one like My Neighbor's a Zombie or something like that. The okay. Yeah. Also, one called Destroy All Humans. Oh, yeah. Maybe that, that's what happened. Yeah. I'm proud that this week I think I got only uh, live action stills that came through because last week uh, I mistook some video game clips and put it up uh, for Mike's movie. So I'm very proud of myself not cocking this all up. All right. So is that Adam? Is that it? Do you want to grade it? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I don't want to spoil too much since it's pretty fresh yeah, still. Yeah, it's brand so. new. It's brand new. I, yeah. I got to tell you, I have no idea where you're going to grade this. I got my finger hovering. We'll see how I do. I'd give a solid B. Like, it's not perfect, but... I don't know what they could really improve on. It's it's just a fun flick, and you know that's that's why I expected from it. I went in with no expectations, no hype. Well, that's that's good. Honestly, if uh, a direct to streaming gets anything other than uh, a D or an F, I'm always surprised. Uh, but that's that's. Me, I, I'm just not a fan of direct-to-streaming stuff. All right. Well, then let's uh, let's get to our next lecture. We're going to be going uh, back to Pittsburgh, and we're going to have Rich, Rich, 
What have you been watching? Uh, I've been watching 1995's Castle Freak. Freak? Fantastic. Yeah, yeah. I, I got it up there now. Oh, did you hear me? Yes, we heard you. All right. So, because I didn't want to put much effort into doing anything to help out this episode. We know. Um, I decided to Google to see if somebody had a good one-liner to describe this film. And I found the perfect one, and it is, this is a film about a deformed cannibal sex pest who lives in the castle dungeon. <laughs> did AI write that, or what? how did you No, I found it somewhere. I, I wish I would have saved it, because whoever read that deserves full credit for... That, that is uh, accurate. Yes. It's accurate. Uh, I don't know how else to put it. That's, that's accurate. <laughs> <laughs> but so you know obviously an older film we know the reasons i chose it for this month um or for this episode the um <clears throat> excuse me the well hold Luke's on no, hold on rich not everybody knows you do have to explain that a little bit for uh some folks that too we actually do have people that tune in not live and uh don't have the opportunity to chat a question so i'm so, gonna ask why did you pick Castle Freak, Rich. I chose Castle Freak because this March 1st through the 3rd, 2024, in Pittsburgh at the Horror Realm Convention, we are fortunate enough to have uh, both Charles Band and Barbara Crampton as guests, and I thought it would be fun to review a film that they're both involved in. What a fantastic cross-promotion, Rich. I'm nothing... Because it was the deformed penis movie. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> we'll, get, we'll get to the deformed penis part. I, I'm saving that for later. Okay. I mean, like like 30 seconds from now. Yeah, don't, don't pour all the spice out of the of the container right at the beginning. So, but no, it's, a, it's a cool film. I mean, um, a, a typical Charles Band movie, um, you know, the budget is not very big, but I, you know, one thing I always give him credit for is I, I feel like he gets every bit out of every penny he has for these films and i yeah. appreciate that um and you know Stuart gordon is the director and um the two main actors are jeffrey combs and barbara crampton which we all know from reanimator the three are of them I, I i mean i i love barbara crampton she she's great but i think the blind daughter has a bigger part than oh. barbara. i was actually i i I have never watched this before. You said you were going to do it. And I thought, oh, God, this is one of those glaring holes in my viewology. And I was kind of surprised how little Barbara was in it. I guess you could say the daughter was featured more. But, you know, based on the 80s video era, not, I guess this was 1995, 90s video era. Yeah. I mean, Jeffrey and Barbara were still the stars. I mean, that's what people oh, yeah. would have seen on the shelf and why they would have picked it up that in the, the Charles band brand on it. Right. But for screen time, the daughter definitely, you could argue she's the um, star. I think also considering that she was 17 at the time that it was released and possibly younger when they were filming it, I feel like they really pushed the limits on um, what they showed and how they treated her body. Um, yeah. In that film. Um, it was almost, uh, it was almost illegal in my opinion. And I probably 16 year old me would have liked it. 51 year old me is appalled. <laughs> so, but anyway, back to the movie and try to get this over with so we can hear from somebody good like Mike. Um, <laughs> it, it starts out pretty quick, actually, to the point. And I rewatched this because it had been years since I had seen it. Um, and at first I was really liking how quickly the story comes together. It's yeah. Um, we were introduced to, the uh, the freak uh, in the in the dungeon in the first scene, his mother passes, and we cut pretty quick to Jeffrey Combs and his family, which is uh, estranged wife Barbara Crampton and blind daughter, um, driving to the castle because he is the sole heir to this um, castle. So, and they get there, pretty cool entrance into it. You see a lot of dark art and things of that nature on the wall. So you're kind of like, okay, this is going to, this is going to go the direction I like. Um, 
that artwork, for as much as they featured it, really never comes into play. Like there was anything yes. dark. I, you know, I, I thought there was going to be more than just the uh, cannibal sex pest in the dungeon. But that's all we got was a cannibal sex pest. Yeah. That's what I keep laughing about. Like, <laughs> sex pest. <laughs> I'm going to I'm gonna those, get you drunk in Laura Rome and get that tattooed on your tramp area. Those pesky sex <laughs> Anyway, so, but the story moves along quickly. I mean... The uh, relationships, why why they're estranged, um, you know, and, but even though they're estranged, uh, you can, um, or not only because they're estranged, but they're, I mean, you can see good tension actually between the two of them. And I think part of that is the two of them acted enough together. They're, they're really good at pulling off whatever they need to for, for a scene. Um, but you can see also the love of the daughter. It's, you know, typical. Well, I, I think, too, we've all watched a lot of full moon movies. These are two actors that are well above the usual that we see in such low budget films. They're, yes, they're they're just they're a lot better than yes. than you're used to. So we get through almost the first half of the movie, and and as I mentioned, I kind of liked the pacing. Like we're getting some answers quick and stuff, but then I realized I looked at the time. I'm like, oh crap, we're only halfway through this movie, and we yeah. pretty much know everything. So. I guess the rest of the movie is going to be they got to get to this sex pest and and have him start terrorizing them. And that's pretty much what we got um, mixed in with a little bit of um, Jeffrey Combs getting drunk and bringing a whore back to the wine wine cellar um, who she eventually gets her nipple um, bitten off by the sex pest, which that was a pretty cool scene. Um, (laughs) uh, But, you know, that second half of the movie Honestly, I, I kind of started getting a little bit bored. Um, yeah. I didn't feel like they, they made the interactions or the, the uh, whatever you want to say about them having to deal with the sex pest. I didn't find it to be um, engaging enough where I wasn't like, okay, they gave us too much of the backstory too early in the movie. We probably needed kind of a more of a mixing. He probably needed to start doing things to um, terrorize them a little earlier, and we still probably needed a couple mysteries. Though, in the final act, more or less, um, there is a big reveal of Jeffrey Combs' character, um, some people in the tomb, and and things of that nature that kind of is a reveal. So, they don't, you know, at least they save something. Um, I think the turning point is that bar scene. Where uh, I agree because that scene just seems to keep going on and on, and I'm kind of like things were moving fast, and then you get to that scene, and it's like, all right, now what? And right. it takes forever. It takes forever. that's a great marker for like where it does turn to a little bit slower movie. I agree. Yeah. Um, what was really cool in the in the final battle. Jeffrey Combs all of a sudden becomes like Bruce Lee. Like he's, <laughs> he's, he's kind of a scrawny little dude, but he's throwing this freaking monster around and stuff and like yeah. flying, flying through the air and shit. And it was, um, Jeffrey Combs kind of surprised me a little bit. I don't, I don't, I doubt they had the budget for a stunt man, but I could be wrong. So, but all in all, it was a fun movie to watch. Um, you know, even though it's a, what, what are we talking? Almost thirty-year-old movie. I'm still yeah. not going to say much more. Uh, I still think the the first line that I read of somebody else's work, deformed cannibal sex pest who lives in the castle dungeon, really should be enough of a review for anybody <laughs> to pick this movie up and watch it. I'll be on the post. I'll I'll give somebody some other reasons because you know I I research where these things are playing. Castle Freak is on Shutter, so if you have Shutter, it's easy to get to. But it's also available on one of my favorite services. It's out on Tubi. And that's where I caught it. There were only five 30-second commercial breaks, and it was in full 1080p. I was like, holy crap. I I was shocked how good it was because it was in 16-9 ratio and everything because I kind of thought this movie was direct-to-video, which is usually 4-3 in 1995. But they obviously spent enough money to get an actual film camera out there to shoot it. So if you don't have Shutter, 
Check it out in Tubi. It's absolutely free. Are you getting paid by them or something? That was like 45 seconds. I, I was... I was actually shocked because a lot of times I watch Tubi stuff and it looks like it was uh, transferred from somebody's Super 8 home movie. And it now it it was just stereo. It was not 5.1, but I'm I'm very audiophile-ish with that stuff, but uh it, you know, this movie wasn't shot in 5.1. So but I I was surprised one more thing to talk about with this movie, and this is something Mike and I talked about earlier today, and he already kind of ruined. Okay. The one thing that did make the second half of the movie kind of entertaining was when this freak's running around the, the castle, um, you're pretty much watching his penis the entire time. <laughs> but the whole time you're looking at it, you're like, is that a penis? It's obviously a deformed penis. It's where a penis should be, but they never slow him down or stop him enough where you can really say that's a penis, but it has to be a penis. So that's another reason people need to watch this so we can all determine, is that a penis? I I thought it got cut off. I thought it was only the the grapes and not the... There's a little nubby going there, too. Be from questions. There are many. Yes. And how so, can he be a pest if he doesn't have a, a dick? He found ways. <laughs> that reminds me of Jurassic Park. Life fades away. Yes. <laughs> Are you ready to grade? I am. Okay, so tell us, what do you grade, Castle Freak? I'm gonna give this. I'm gonna give it a solid B, um, based on the type of movie it is, and that is a low budget film. I think it's a very solid low budget film, and. Yeah. It was a great reminder that you don't have to have a lot of money to make an entertaining movie with actually some decent writing, dialogue, things of that nature. I've I've been so burned out by low-budget films in the last 10 years that are basically me. It would They're the equivalent of me watching Mike poop on a, a toilet. So, yes, yeah, definitely a solid B. Fantastic. There's a lot about pooping tonight. All right. Well, thank you, Rich, for that review. And remember, you can catch Barbara Crampton and Charles Band out at Horror Realm in Pittsburgh coming up March 1st through the 3rd. Mike, it's your turn. What have you been watching? I watched the TV miniseries. Uh, that you can watch on Netflix called The Fall of the House of Usher. And it is uh, eight episodes. Okay. Uh, I guess the <clears throat> nuts and bolts of it is uh, the director, creator. Uh, it says on IMDb, that's really weird, creator, rather mm. than just direct. Uh, weird. It isn't the director. He's the uh, showrunner. Showrunner. Yeah, he's Maybe the that's showrunner, why. which is a TV talk for the head writer that actually, oh. because they can switch out directors quite often uh, yeah, on a in, series. in a series, but there, there has to be like a single, um, you know, person that kind of runs the show so that they call that the showrunner, And it's usually mm -hmm. the, the head writer. Nice. Well, his name is Mike Flanagan and I'm sure you all have heard of him. He is uh, behind the uh, house, or what is that? The house on Hill House or something? House what on the Haunted, no. Was it House on the Haunted Hill? Hell House. Yeah. Hill House. Something. The Haunting and, of Hill House? The Haunting <laughs> of Hill House, that's it. Yeah. And The Haunting of Bly Manor and Midnight Mass. And um, <laughs> he... Uh, he actually stumbled upon something that he's good at, and that happens to be Edgar Allan Poe. And I was actually really so, hesitant. hold on, hold on, before you go beyond that. So you didn't like any of his other stuff? Is that I watched The Haunting of Hill House, and that's the last I watched of this gentleman's uh, Netflix career. But looking back at some of his older films... I do like some of his work. He he did a, a lesser-known horror film called Oculus. 
don't know. Yes. You know what? I still haven't seen that, but I remember you giving that a very good review back in version 2.0 of the show. Yeah, it was really a solid flick. So this guy does have some chops, and Poe, it, it you could tell, for me, it, I could feel like he really put his heart and soul into the Poe aspect of this. Okay. Um, we'll get into that a little bit later. But basically, this is a retelling, Follow the House of Usher. Uh, it follows um, Roderick and Madeline, their two that are brother-sister. Um, Bruce Greenwood plays Roderick, and Mary McDonald plays Madeline. I will talk a little bit about them later, but they're ahead of a company that came up with basically your run-of-the-mill um, opioid. Uh, they didn't can't use a real name, so they made up a name in a company. And they made all their money off of that. And now things are happening to family members, and people don't know why this is all happening so quickly. And I don't want to really spoil zero for people that want to watch this that haven't watched it yet, because it is phenomenal. Um, it's a new twist, you know, on the Poe classic, of course. And I think it's pretty relevant. Um, maybe low-hanging fruit. Is it but set again, back in the olden days? No, it's it's right. modern time. Okay, because I, I literally, when I was grabbing the slides that you see going through, it's like half of them look like they're old-timey and half of them look modern. And I'm kind of like, well, what's going on with this? Is it like retro or something? Or They go back and forth. Oh, in okay. Time. okay. Yeah, you get some history of how the Usher house became what it is. Yes. Okay. So, um, yeah, the uh, I want to talk one about the cinematography. I thought it was absolutely shot beautifully. Um, everything, the, the tone of the film is dark, obviously, because you're watching this very prominent house in America just crumble in front of your eyes. Um, and I think everything around it matched that tone, and uh, they really spent time uh, making sure that cohesion was there. Thought that was really a nice touch for Poe fans. Like me, I'm a casual Edgar Allan Poe fan. I'm not like a huge one, but there are <clears throat> the way that they intertwine other stories in this is is really quite amazing. Um, where things really shouldn't be together, but they are. It's it's I, I just think it's amazing how they were able to do that. Um, such of the some of the stories are the Raven, Telto Heart. Uh, Lenore, and they go on, but I'm sure, you know, big fans of Poe are going to pick out a lot more because there's a ton of Easter eggs. Um, I want to talk a little bit about Bruce Greenwood and Mary McDonald. Okay. Uh, Bruce, <clears throat> I think Bruce is a character actor that's been in 970 things. Um, his IMDb, you know, it's a long, long list of things, but, you know, never really the guy, if that makes any sense. Right. <clears throat> but, this this movie, I think he was the guy. And there's he's talking to a lawyer at this old house for a good bit of the movie. And it's sort of his confession to this guy that's been after him for years and years for making this poison drug. And the, the scenes between those two guys are, are phenomenal, but he steals every scene. There's a scene about... Uh, he, he talks about how he can make a lemon the new hot thing. And he just fucking puts it out, just cold, fucking calculated. Just like he took this this role and just ran with it. Um, Mary McDonald, who's not been in a ton, I guess she, uh, she was actually Madam President in Independence Day. So, I mean, props to her for that. Uh, that was a good movie when I was 16. It's crap now. But. That's Independence a different story. No, she wasn't the president. That was um, Pullman. It was the president. It was Bill Pullman. Was yeah, the she president. was. I, wasn't yeah. Mary McDonald the president in Battlestar Galactica? The reboot? Yes. The, would you listen to me before opening your mouth? Oh, She sorry. was the president's wife. Oh, the president's the, wife. Okay. Yes, in Independence Day. Okay, okay. That's what she was. So she hasn't had a ton of roles, and she was she was something in Battlestar Galactica, but I never watched that. So I, 
Yeah, I think she was the president in that one. Yeah, so, but she was uh, excellent. They were excellent together. And as you watch, you're just watching it. A lot of the actors are the same. They're in the the miniseries that I mentioned before. Mm -hmm. But uh, they're all, you know, really, you know, decent actors. And then some new ones were thrown in. But, uh, you know, the cast was very competent and very well done, well lit, which is... (laughs) It's is important. It's, well, um, it's nice to have production value. You know, the the thing Rich was talking about, when you see these low-budget things, a lot of times I get upset with those because it's like, well, you're making my genre look cheap. I, I like it when they invest the dollars to get good actors and, and nice production value because it shows more worth is put on the genre that I love. Right. Now you were talking about, uh, Greenwood and the thing I remember him from, he played, uh, he played JFK in some movie and I can't remember what, what it was with the Cuban missile crisis. Was it JFK? <laughs> no, it wasn't JFK. It was something else. Uh, That's going to kill me. By the first time I saw him, this is how long he's been acting. First time I saw him, he was on St. Elsewhere. And he was like the arrogant surgeon or something. And I remember seeing him on that show. I go, oh, he's kind of interesting. And he keeps showing up. And a lot of people on St. Elsewhere blew up like Denzel Washington and that. But uh, he's always just kind of taken character roles and and been like fifth build or something in a movie so it's, yeah. it's kind of cool to hear that he he's is he the lead or is he prominent or i i, I would he's the lead okay yeah. cool yeah he's the, i mean along with his sister they're the head of the family okay. and they long time ago they set everything into motion so um, yeah, yeah, he's the lead, and he's he's fantastic in it. He really is. And uh, if, you have, if people haven't seen it um, and they're hesitant because of other things, put that aside and uh, give this one a shot. Well, I didn't like Hill House. I know a lot of people loved it, so I I was kind of staying away from this. So I'm glad to hear this review. I was also kind of wondering eight hours. Because Follow House of Usher, as I recall, was a short story. And I was like, yes. how are they going to spread this out? And you kind of explained <coughs> he, uh, he did a mix of, of yeah, different he adds a lot, Like I said, he adds a lot, and I'm sure I miss some. Oh, yeah. yeah. I'm sure there's more Easter eggs in there. Um, but, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a deep story and uh, just really uh, interesting, you know, study of what this what people are willing to do <laughs> basically and that's just it's really well done all right are you ready or you got more no i'm, I'm good i i don't okay. i don't want to spoil a second of it i just want to praise the the you know creators and actors uh because they they put their best foot forward and created something that, that was really good okay so what are you gonna give it i'm gonna give it an a do you do you realize this is two weeks in a row you gave a positive review? I know, I know. Are you feeling okay? Yeah, I'm good. If if you're having a stroke, you can tell us. No, I'm good. Okay, fantastic. <laughs> I I think what you're telling me is you like horror movies to be eight episode television shows. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, those have been uh, pretty successful successful for me, but uh, I think I'm on next week, and I, I'm going to find just a movie to watch, and maybe I'll tear that up. I don't know. You oh, never shit, know. Next week. We, we do have another show next week, yep. I hope I didn't sign up. I'll, I'll let you know. I'll check after the Bye. show. All right. All right. So it's on to me. Oh, and... shit. I still have you. I thought I was getting ready to log off. What? <laughs> Hurtful. <laughs> Hurtful. Uh. All right. Well, I uh, I watched 1973's 
the crazies. Uh, this is considered by some a classic. George A. Romero directed it. It was remade. Everyone knows this movie in the horror community. I I somehow had missed it all these years. Here's the thing. I wish I missed it. Uh, <laughs> holy cow. I, I don't know where to start with this. Uh, and I know there are people that are fans of this movie. I, I know there are. I just don't understand why. There's there's no score to speak of. The overlapping dialogue literally gave me a headache because it, the way they did is even confusing. It, it, I think they're trying to give the impression of mayhem, but unfortunately on screen it isn't really as big a mayhem as I think they want you to think it is. Uh, it appears like the entire film was 80 yard. And uh, for folks that aren't familiar with that term, it's automatic dialogue replacement. It seemed like anytime you don't see the actual mouth of a character, it sounded like they recorded it later. And I think that it had a lot to do with all this overlapped dialogue type stuff. Um, <laughs> and I don't know what to say about that. The, the story is confusing because they can't decide if it's a bacterial or a virus-based thing that makes people crazy, though honestly, their version of crazy is people seem to laugh a lot and then become homicidal. Is that accurate? I, I, I think I nailed that. That's pretty well all that happens. They they giggle a bunch and then they start killing people. Um, it, I mean, <laughs> I'm not sure how you would even tell somebody has this thing, uh, this bug. What is it, Trixie or something? They kept calling it. Uh, now I watched it because uh, Lisa Lowry was in it, and she is going to be coming out to Horror Realm uh, March 1st through the 3rd. Uh, she is one of the better things about this film. She's absolutely gorgeous. Gave uh, an interesting and game performance. But I, I don't feel like she was even being directed. I, it, it, it almost felt like, I, I believe this was, and, and we have a George A. Romero expert on, on the call here tonight. I think this was his first union film that that he he made, and it it seemed like he was distracted by lots of other things because it didn't I seem. Not... To... <laughs> don't. Yeah, go ahead. No, I I don't know if it was his first union film. I I don't know if he was taking a lot of psychedelics or, or what. It just was a miss. It it seems disorganized. Yeah, I, it's, it's kind of a mess. Um, unfortunately, I had to, you know, declare my my movie. Uh, I later on watched a lesser known Lowry flick called "I Drink Your Blood." Much better film. Much better yep. film. More interesting. I still I hear about it a lot, and I'm going, "Well, this isn't a fantastic film, but boy, a lot better than the Crazies." Uh, and that movie had a score and there was acting going on. This thing, I would say, uh, from a first of all, the remake, I agree, Mike had stated that you're going to like this a lot less than the remake. And I would agree primarily because the remake pretty well just said, well, we're going to take the cool thing about this, which is you know, people running amok due to this virus. And that's the only thing we're going to keep from, from the movie. And, and that seemed to work. Uh, I would say from a curiosity standpoint, this also has Richard France, who is the angry doctor with a patch on his eye, uh, on the TV throughout the movie Dawn of the Dead. And he shows up and he's basically playing the same character, except for... 
it doesn't work in this movie, and it works really well in Dawn of the Dead. Um, so that was interesting. And this movie... Oh, so go ahead. Why do you think that is? Why do you think it worked in one and not in another from the same people? First of all, I don't think this movie... Okay, this is getting get kind of... I, I don't know. I haven't organized my thoughts on this, but... I feel like this movie doesn't set up that the the crazies are the threat. The threat is the government covering this up and them running around with machine guns mowing down people with but you're you're almost like hey what is the government going to do? They got to wipe these guys out. They're they're knocking people off. So you're kind of like, well, who do I cheer for? There's nobody. In Dawn of the Dead, there's no question who you're cheering for. You're cheering for all the guys from the helicopter crew. You know, you're you're like, hey, these are our good guys. When when the bikers show up, you're not saying, hey, now I'm on Tom, Team Tom Savini. Tom Savini's a bad guy. He's a threat. Here, you're never quite sure. It, is the government the threat here, or are they just taking care of a problem they created you know, obviously the government in, in this movie is responsible for the problem. So, yeah, they're the bad guy. But it's like, well, they're doing the best they can once they let this thing out. Um, and I think this was supposed to be because when you look at the posters, and I, I've looked at the posters, the posters are all of the government goons running around with the machine guns. Here's the thing that could have fixed this movie. Don't have the virus. Just have it be the government guys being nuts and out of control, and they want to cover up something that really isn't a threat. Make the government completely the bad guy. Now you have horror. What you have here is watching your next-door neighbor killing a mouse. You kind of go, well, that's a pest. Let him kill the mouse. Sex pest. <laughs> a sex pest, right? Exactly. <laughs> uh, but you know, it, it's the difference about watching your your neighbor uh, killing a, a, a you know a, a rodent, or watching him go out and kill the family cat. Very different. One is arch and evil, and one you kind of go, eh, what you got to do to protect your property, etc. So that's my opinion. I don't know. What do you think, Mike? Is there a way to fix this film? Yeah. Don't watch it. I mean, exactly. <laughs> watch it and watch the remake. They, they fixed it, in my opinion. They Because they clearly define what caused it. They clearly, def, you know, differentiated the infected from the non-infected, and they were still a threat while the army was still a threat. And uh, better actors. Uh, it just had everything better. So they fixed what George was not able to put together. Honestly, one of the things here, you know, at the end of a lot of horror movies, I go, okay, what was I supposed to be afraid of? In this movie, I was like, I don't know. <laughs> you know what was what was the bad guy? Castle Freak came out of that and went, yep, I, I, know, I know what the problem was. I can put my finger right on it. Was Jeffrey Combs's character kind of a kind of a jerk? Yeah, he was. But I was still on Team Jeffrey Combs. I wasn't on the Castle Freak side. You know, I I knew where the fear was supposed to come from. Another thing I pointed I thought was interesting is it seemed like every opportunity they had in the film to build suspense, they walked away from it. They, they, they kind of went, no, we're just going to make it chaos. We're just going to go chaos. At one point, Richard France has the solution, you know, the cure to this, this disease. So he goes out the door, and he, he's like in the high school, and they've decided this is a place they're going to corral people for quarantine, right? So he uh, he gets out of uh, the room, and they mistake him as one of the quarantined immediately. 
So there's like a 30 second, he's trying to run away and they gun him down, if I remember correctly. And that's it. And I'm like, what a mistake. They should have locked him in with all the crazies. And he had him, you know, really realize I'm the only hope these guys have and I'm about to get killed. And they don't, they don't hold on that, that story point so that it really lands. I, I don't know. I, now, the, the remake I felt was kind of like a zombie retread. It was like, okay, here's the reason for our zombies in and, and this flick. But like you said, you at least knew who you were, who were you against. And, you know, that the, the acting was definitely better in that film. So, I don't know. I feel like I want to grade it. it. It's it's what it is. I would not recommend this film. Uh, and I am going to go with a D. I can't give it a full-on F. It, you know, there are moments, I guess, that, that are at least interesting. And one thing I'll say is I didn't pull out the phone and start checking Facebook messages, which unfortunately not all films can say they do that for me. Um, but that's about all I can say. Um, it, it's not, it's not great. So that's the crazies from 1973 by George E. Romero. So that is all of our interviews. So now it is time for me to take a quick look at that website for everybody. And we're actually going to start with the Otherworldly Culture website. This show will be out there. We don't have a lot of additional posts going out at this time. Uh, but we will have another show next week. And the big thing that we're talking to everybody about is, of course, Horror Realm, which will be coming to Pittsburgh March 1st through the 3rd. But we have somebody much better to talk about that. Rich, why don't you tell us a little bit about this year's Horror Realm? Um, it'll be a lot of fun. <laughs> Great buildup. Great buildup. Um... Let's see. Uh, I I saw that the schedule of events is out. Is there anything you'd like to spotlight for folks? Not really. They're all good events. <laughs> no, I, you know, it's, the panels are always always a good good uh, thing to make time for. Um, of course, the parties and movies are a lot of fun as well. But um, you know, I think the panels give you the opportunity where you might learn something about one of the films you enjoy or one of the actors and actresses you like. Um, you might learn something you didn't know already. So that's probably the thing I would encourage people to circle the most on their their schedule. And one thing that's also out on the website now is the film schedule, and we happen to have the film curator on, on the line. Adam, any uh, hidden gems that we should look out for on the schedule? Uh, yeah, there's a few. Let me get the list brought up real quick. Um, definitely the Sunday lo or Saturday local shorts. Uh, Mother directed by Dave Bailey, Optic Nerve by Brad Walkawiak, and then uh, Black Pines by James Reinhardt. Those are all uh, Pittsburgh-based shorts. Um, the Barn Double feature by Justin Seaman. Those are also local. And then um, Jamie Lockhart of Severin Films is showing his documentary about John Russo, My Life with the Living Dead. So um, Saturday's pretty packed with uh, local stuff. And then the highlights Friday or then or national shorts. I think there's about 13 of them kicking off the film programming. 
All right. Fantastic. And Mike, what can people look forward to in the panel room? There's a lot of different things going on. Um, I'll speak for mine. Uh, we have the Devil's Rejects panel. We have the Halloween panel. We have the Texas Chainsaw Massacre panel, Texas TCM3 panel, I should say. And then the one I think I'm looking forward to the most, the William Forsyth panel. So if you make one, check that William Forsyth panel out because you might be surprised. I, I think that's going to be exciting, but it all sounds really exciting. Uh, I will be hosting the Ladies of the 80s Horror Panel, which features D. Wallace, Barbara Crampton, Lisa Lowry, and Patty Mullen. Uh, and a uh, friend of the show, Jeff Miller, is going to be interviewing Charles Band, who we have tasked with seeing every single movie he's been involved in, and we gave him a month. So I think he should be able to get a din, don't you? Yes. No doubt. I, I mean, if if he doesn't, I, I think we all have something to razz him about. So if, if you see him, make sure you ask him about the most uh, obscure uh, banned films and, and let's see if he completed his assignment. All right. Well, that's, that's all we got for tonight. We want to thank the folks that came out for our uh, show this evening. And, thanks, Mr. Uh, Sexler. And uh, thanks, of course, to all of our panelists for the great reviews. We will have another show next week, Thursday. Can't tell you the movies yet because I know I haven't watched mine. And uh, the other panelists probably have not either. So we're uh, going to be announcing that over the weekend. So make sure you stay tuned for that to otherworldlyculture.com. All right. Any, any last things from the group here? I want to say it's been a pleasure to have not been on this show for almost a year. It's been over a year. Thanks for that, Rich. It, it makes me feel so good when you shit on my life. So, until next time, everybody, when you aim at harm, make sure you are dead on. See you next time. Otherworldlyculture.com. <laughs> Ha 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 